And we're in the kitchen here at the Hot Stove Society on Cairo Radio. We have a lively group here today. It's been a pleasure. You know, last week I went on a rant for my, my uh, taste of the week. So this week I'm going to be very positive. Really? Yeah, because people think I, I can be negative, and I don't mean to be. I just I have an opinion about things. Yeah, that's, Remember that's last what week, it sounds last like. Last week, the whole fruit cup thing that wasn't yeah. local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my own restaurant. There was a good... There was a we're good not, no, we're not going to talk about that today. Today's a much more positive week. I'm Tom Douglas. I own several joints here around town, including the Dahlia Bakery, Serious Pie. The new Serious Pie in Totem Lake is kicking it. Cool. Uh, and then I'll also Seatown Restaurant, where I kind of hang out on weekends. Uh, although I will be in France for the next two weeks. Vous, monsieur. La la. Yeah, how about that? Monsieur so, Tom in Paris. We'll have a different kind of oyster over at Belon, maybe. A Belon, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, what's the time of the year? Is Too this? hot for Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would wait on the oyster. Okay, all right, good. Thanks for the warning, chef. No problem. Eat some uh, squash. Eat some squash. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Lola right downstairs. And this lovely cooking school where we do our show from, and it's named after, is the Hot Stove Society. And we're in the Hotel Andre. It's a beautiful hotel. It's kind of got a Swedish accent about its design is it furnished by ikea no no, no. but uh, just the <laughs> okay, opposite just the owner kidding. here has very yes. Craig, has very expensive taste very like those chairs out there in the lobby i would never i mean he paid like twelve hundred dollars a piece for those i would never don't say that on the mic somebody's gonna come and steal them well whatever and they have They're real tiny. reindeer pelt on them Ooh, now we got issues yeah i didn't get the chops uh, chef, welcome. Thierry Rotirodo, Chef in the Hat, here with you, Tom, every Friday. Um, great audience today. I'm excited. There's a birthday in the house. Yeah. Young man over there. Yeah. Forgot to ask him his name, but I know it's his birthday. I guessed it. I like it. And uh, very excited to be here. Um, we have a big, big show coming up. We're going to talk about a few things I'm not familiar with and some I'm familiar with, so that's cool. It's always fun to learn. That's what we do on this show, right? I feel like a listener on on our own radio show. Pamela Hinckley is our producer, and she puts these show sheets together. And so sometimes um, we uh, we look askance. Yeah. Like, where did this idea come from? (laughs) And then you look at Pamela, and then you realize she's she's wacko. She's uh, and she's our listener, so she's uh, she she's acting like the listener want to hear something. You know, way back there when Tina, our original producer, always used to say, don't be so chefy yeah. on this show. Yeah. And so this is, uh, Pamela is our anti-chefy. Uh, Sean, our technical producer, is sitting over there in the corner, over by our Rub With Love gift shop. And hello, everyone. Welcome. Uh, oh, don't forget, we're on YouTube. If you wanna, oh, yeah, if you we're live on YouTube. Live on YouTube, what do you do? Every Friday, 9 to 11, you can just... Just get, on, just get on TomDouglas.com and click on the uh, YouTube channel and you'll see us live. There you go. If that's of any interest. Today it's peak of the season, back to school lunch boxes. And the hipsters are all going for bento boxes these days. They are the rage. And there's some really cool ones out there uh, that uh, have forks and spoons and everything included. And you just bring, bring it all and bring it back. None of them come with the food already made, is it? No, they don't. Unless you go to Wajamaya, you can buy a bento box. Here we go. Every morning on your way to school. Uh, the team behind the magic at Seattle Restaurant Off Alley, Evan and <laughs> Megna. Yes, there we go. Uh, they're in the kitchen with us for two segments. Uh, Eastside Restaurant Reviews from our enthusiastic uh, buddies, uh, summer camp buddies. Remember my summer camp? Becky Guzak and Peggy Vert are going to give us a little East Side restaurant review. Can't wait to hear. Yeah, I'm curious if they've been to uh, your the pizza place. New joint on the East Side in, in the village at Totem Lake. 
which is serious pie total meat. Kebab extravaganza for your Labor Day barbecue. And uh, we can't ever not have, unless Pamela decides to, uh, a tasty trivia, trivia challenge brought to you by Rub With Love's Spice Rubs. So there we go. Taste of the week. Yes, sir. What you My got? My first taste of the week is going to have to be this gorgeous melon that's right here. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to cheat again. Yesterday or the other day, I, uh, I did the, uh, the pitch you brought from Prosser Farm. This is not from Prosser Farm, but it this is? is. I mean, this is from Prosser Farm yeah. too, and it's it's just unbelievable. Every it year, tastes, I look forward it to it. Tastes yeah. like a melon should taste mm-hmm. when it's in season. I mean, that's this is perfect. My other taste of the week is corn. I just had my first corn uh, for some reason this summer. I haven't had much corn, and I had some white corn uh, uh, yesterday. I made a corn um, raw corn kernel, and the last of the blueberry I went mm-hmm. to pick a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, salad with uh, diced white onion, white vinegar, al- uh, olive oil, salt, pepper, and a lot of anise isa. And let that sit for a couple minutes on the counter. And eat that with some cold chicken that was roasted, pre-roasted. Uh, sliced cold chicken, kind of like a salad. Thank God it was cooked, Chef. I thought you were going to say it was raw. <laughs> I know yeah. you Chicken tartare is not my thing. <laughs> um, anyway, it was, it, was, it was quite scrumptious and it reminded me of time to eat corn. You know, because uh, we're going to have corn between now and the next couple of weeks, and then it's going to be gone. So white corn, sweet, delicious, tasty, no strings attached. No strings attached on corn is important. <laughs> silk, that's the silk. Yes, the yeah, silk. The silk. Uh, my taste of the week, uh, I did uh, my class here last night, which was called Tom's Summer Favorites or Summer, summer Celebrating Cooking. Summer Celebrating Bounty. Summer, yeah, anyway. Uh, we had a good time. There were we had a full house, and uh, it feels like we don't do as many uh, social classes in the summertime because people have are very busy. But it was a nice group last night. So we had corn and pepper soup. Oh, we had shrimp uh, kebabs with lots of citrus and a little tomatillo salsa. Um, we had bread salad, the big panzanella salad, and uh, and then of course we had peach upside down cake, the brown butter cake. Did Pam make but it? A couple of things about the class last night that were super fun and I are kind of my taste of the week. One is you literally have to burn the bread. To do the salad? To do the salad. You yeah. literally have to uh, char it so hard that it looks burnt, like it's going to gross you out right. burnt, and it's delicious. And Because you're going to chop it up and put it in the salad with all the dressing and everything, and that caramelized bread really is what comes through. And you leave the crust on. Don't take the crust off. Right. Secondly is I made an impromptu... Uh, from the garden, little appetizer plate, like a, a, a mousse-bouche, yeah. as you like to say. mousse Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I, I bought a ham from Benton Country Hams in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee a while back, and I just keep working off of it. You know, it's, it's a 30-month-aged sure. ham right now, and it's just dry and salty and so good with the fresh peaches from our right. farm. And then we had some blistered shishitos to go along with it. Mm. So you had salt, sweet, acid, spice. And it was just a beautiful combination. You had that, didn't you? Uh, I love the texture combo. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's salty ham. And, sweet and you can salty. only eat like little chips of this ham because it's really salty. Right, right. Uh, but uh, with that peach, and of course, yeah. you know, prosciutto and melon is a classic. I think you but... should slice some up for our friends here. Oh, you do, do you? I'd like another piece. There you go. Why not? Yeah. Okay, what's in your bento box, chef? <laughs> oh, we can hear that when We're we come back. We're going to hear that when we come back on Cairo Radio. You're listening to the Hot Stove Society Show. We're happy you're with us on 97.3 FM.
Welcome back. That was a long break there. <laughs> Our audience motivator is off off duty right now. Sorry. I was like looking somewhere else. You know, Kenji Lopez-Alt gets a lot of press. <coughs> he, he is the as press. As he should. He is the press. He, he, he is, he is press. our Seattle press. But I'm just going to say right now, if you look in my first book that was written almost 30 years ago, <laughs> there's a whole bento chapter. But uh, because Kenji is Kenji uh, uh, and people love him as they should, he's awesome dude. Uh, he's been posting on Instagram some pictures of the bento boxes that his kids are going back to school with. Is are, Have you been following him? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't. But, so. but like you, I want to say I was ahead of the bento box curve. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Before. But his are much more spectacular because he uh, has ones that seal at the top and where the compartments come together so juices don't intermingle. Uh, yeah. And I have not. It's called thinking ahead. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're, you're bringing still... your, your toolbox to work and what's on the ground? What's all that juice? Right. But it's it you. is a lovely way to serve food. So I am excited to hear um, some improvisational ideas from you two about what you would put in a bento. And maybe a quick minute about all the wonderful things we did with bento boxes at Tanaka-san, because they were our most popular thing they there. They certainly were. They certainly were. Well, there's two things I think that you have to consider on this bento thing, which is one is the box itself. Right. And does it lend itself to an ice pack? Because I don't see any space in here for ice packs, and I think that can be an issue. A lot of them come with the thermal bag. Right. They do, because I don't yeah. see them on these three that you no, brought as no. samples. No, so there. you would put the thermal bag, ice pack, and then your bento correct, inside. Yeah. Correct, correct. Because sometimes on these hard plastic ones, it's hard for the chill to get through. It's, it's, it's got an insulation quality to it. I chill uh, my boxes ahead of time. <laughs> there you go. Um, anyway. <laughs> You're not going to catch her. No. She's <laughs> good. Not this morning. Uh, so there's, there's just something to think about. So then uh, as far as the bento itself goes, uh, you have to think about what it is, is that you love about bento and what you're capable of making, right? Because it can literally be, the bento part is just the compartmentalized part. It's not a specific ingredients. Well, I would think that um, for me, my view on bento box is it's a beautiful progression of people having to think about different things for their meal as opposed to one thing. And I think that's really healthy to have to think about, you know, if you have four compartments in the box and you got to fill them up, You've got to think about four different items you're going to eat. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're going to have to think of balance because you can't just put four pieces of chicken. Obviously, you're going to put one piece of chicken, you know, cooked chicken, let's say, and, and whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, that's very healthy. That but that's kind of, daunting to a parent in, at uh, 7 o'clock in the morning that's trying to think about what to make. You for. can make the bento box the night before. You don't okay. have to wait for the morning. That's what, that's, I would never make a bento box at 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> not me. I'm not that awake. Yeah. I would make it the night before. And, and that's something that's a process that you should work with your kid, especially if your kid is like 10 years old. They can help. They can help the process for the week. You know, you go shopping on Saturday, you cook on Sunday, and you get the whole week lined up, five days. So you can make it easy if you choose in one, one compartment, say, just do fresh cantaloupe like we have right now. Correct. Uh, it travels Seasonal. beautifully. Like if you have put cut peaches in there, you got a problem by the time you get to lunch. This is, you take a little Ziploc bag, you put the peaches cut mm. in there, yeah. and you put I it inside. I have seen that people come protecting yeah, I mean, that's them. how you keep the juice. I mean, what are you going to do? Well, I mean, no, Tom. 
Well, my point is, part of the beauty of the bento box is you're not having all that packaging, right? You use this packaging, and then you wash it and use it again tomorrow. Same you don't have lots of wraps and things on the inside. No, you just don't see that in bento very much. You don't wash your sandwich bags? No. <laughs> Ooh. Does anybody wash their sandwich bags? Yay. <coughs> Okay, so let's say one compartment has fresh cantaloupe. What's your next compartment? Well, I would say cold meat or cold fish, one mm -hmm. of the two. Like you go to Mutual Fish, you buy a nice, beautiful piece of king salmon, and you cook it on Sunday. Mm -hmm. You have fish for the next three days. Mm -hmm. You keep it in the refrigerator. You have now, you can create like, think tuna salad, think things like this. It's a salmon salad instead of a tuna salad. But you can make potatoes, you can make uh, rice, you can do all kinds of things, and you can garnish that salad with during the next three, four mm -hmm. days. Noodles, you could do cold noodles. I think noodles are a good thing, because remember, we're keeping a 10-year-old in our hearts yeah, and yeah. minds. I agree, but... Yeah. A um, little pot sticker would be good. Again, this is a conversation to be had ahead, so there is no... Your kid's not going to be selling his bento box for 20 bucks to another kid mm -hmm. and come home hungry, because he hasn't eaten all day. <laughs> so you want to avoid that, right. you know, and to make everybody happy. You know, adults have a menu when they go to a restaurant, so they can choose what they want to eat. You don't have to have a menu for your child, but you can have a discussion about, hey, I was thinking of making, uh, you know, some salmon. You love salmon, so. You know what Loretta's, uh, my daughter's uh, number one go-to for bento is? No. Masubi. Sounds she, fabulous. She loves masubi as part of a bento box. It's got the salty spam on it. It's got the sweet teriyaki. I can see how that it's would got be. The, uh, snorri, you know, the seaweed. So you can wrap. use that as a treat because you can use well, that. Well, that's just one day. of the things in the four. Right. Yeah, and, and we're all going to talk in Asian food. There could right. be any culture put I in these kind of separate I started with roasted bins. chicken. I mean, you can do a yeah. Dijon mustard roasted chicken, and then it's cold, and you cut that one day with, a, with you can make it with haricot vert or edamames or whatever, whatever the, mm -hmm. you know, your child wants to eat or will eat easier. You can do pickled vegetables, carrots, and stuff like this, you know, kind of like a sweet and sour kind of idea where it's approachable for a child to eat or for a kid to eat. And uh, lettuce, you know, you can do lettuce in there. That's going to stay perfectly fine. So, you know, you can do a balance. And then fruits, you know, and a cookie or cake or, you know, it's, there's nothing What kind of cake are you going to send? Uh, I, I was just thinking about Pam's cake yesterday. Oh, Remember no. the, the, plum, the plum cake she made? Uh -huh. That would be the perfect thing to put in a bento box because it wouldn't dry out. It's, you know, it's moist enough. She put a little few more olive oil spoon in there, spoon of olive oil. It would be perfect to mm -hmm. put in a bento box because mm -hmm. it would stay. You know, obviously, you, you don't want to probably put a, you don't want to put a meringue because it's going to get humid and it's going to start, you know, mm -hmm. melting down. But you want to put something like a cake, and you make a cake for the week for, you know, in the house. You make a, a, a cake on Sunday that's not too complicated, it's something you're familiar to make with, and then you slice it in small pieces and a little piece every day. It's a balanced meal. Uh, one of the things at my class last night is we had everything at room temperature or, or colder, but almost everything at room temperature. Right. Because in the summertime, it's just the way you, you want to eat sometimes. Right. Um, it's okay to uh, have meat, chicken, and all that yeah. kind of stuff at room temperature, as long as it's not been sitting out for hours and hours. Right. So. Right. No, I mean, you put no, it in a bento box like we that. were talking about. Yeah. No, me neither. If you do it correctly when you start, <clears throat> it's perfectly fine. To put. You know what travels beautifully are the fresh rolls, the Vietnamese fresh rolls. Yeah. Those would work nice in a bento Absolutely. box and stay moist. And you can also put things outside the bento box. Like, for me, the roll, I would put them probably outside the box to be able to utilize more items in the box, like 
Why? What, what more do you need? To roll oh, a shrimp in it? Yeah. Ours have little crispy pork rinds in there. Mmm, mm, that yeah. sounds delicious. I yeah, think the um, structure of the bento box encourages you to think about balance, like yeah. you started. So just making something so pretty with uh, as many colors as possible and textures and sweet and salty, it just invites preparing a thoughtful satisfying meal yeah oh you could make a, like a nice greek salad cucumber tomato olives feta simple as that mint. on top and then no you put that in one of the compartments <laughs> so that becomes one of the items and then yeah you could do anything next to that you could now do. what kind of wine are we going to send with, the, with our kids <laughs> well with that probably my with, child loves rosé <laughs> a nice little white greek dry wine they're for adults too. There's a lot of people, uh, adults carrying bento box lunches. Well, there there are, and you see still to this day, uh, lots of uh, more ethnic cultures uh, bring to the job site yeah. a truck full of lunch boxes that everyone comes and gets in them, puts them back in, and then they come again tomorrow, and it costs five bucks a person or something. Yeah. I saw a tamale lady at the big building site down down the street here. Uh, she just backed her pickup truck, hot tamales out of the back of it. Everyone was lined up. I wanted the parking line up. Uh, it was an awesome sight. I mean, that's some. really cool. Then you have that option. That's very cool. Yeah. All right. We're going to wel- welcome um, the folks from the Off Alley restaurant uh, to the show here when we come back on Cairo Radio. We're excited about that. 97.3 FM. Back in the kitchen, this is Terry Rotero, the chef in a hat. I'm Tom Douglas. Oh, yes, Watch you, you do a wonderful job. <laughs> uh, introducing the next two guests we have here. Magna, bonjour. Bonjour, chef. Evan. Bonjour, chef. Bonjour. I was enamored when I went to your place uh, with my friend Atina, who introduced me to your place. Um, I had heard of it, but I had never been there, and... When we get there, I was surprised by the size of your restaurant. You have the biggest restaurant I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> of course, this is a joke. The restaurant is what? Ten feet wide? Six feet four inches, which is a legal alleyway. Six feet four inches wide, Tom. Mm. Have you ever been in a six-foot restaurant? Uh, I, I wouldn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I went was... to a little restaurant in Kyoto, and I had to tuck, tuck in every... Uh, piece of your body every piece of my body to get through the door and then I sat in the chair and when I went to leave the chair went with me (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about a restaurant called Off Alley in Columbia City marvelous restaurant by the way very um, a feel good place you feel like you're in someone's house which literally you are because the two of you are basically it with of course a few helpers around for you but uh, you have what six seats inside eight seats uh, 12 seats indoors, and then we have an outdoor streetery that seats uh, 8 to 10 comfortably. That's a big restaurant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's your size. You <laughs> love that little tiny thing. Yeah. No, I love that. And I also, one of the things that I loved the most when I was in your restaurant was the fact that I sat at the end of the counter right next to you working in that small, we call that a kitchen. It is a kitchen, but it is literally in, you're in someone's kitchen, someone's house. Mm-hmm. You know, and Evan as a a board. I'm going to retell my story. Maybe you changed something since then, and you can come in anytime you want. Sure. But there was a big blackboard with a bunch of dishes, and you know how we are. We go in a restaurant, and I'm like, well, I don't want to be feel shortened, so we'll have one of each. Mm-hmm. 
It was about 12 items or something like that. And that was the menu of the day. That's what he has available. That's what he made. And, man, that was a beautiful trip. Oh, I still you. remember very much my meal there. And um, sorry, I haven't been back. It's been a few months. But, you know, it's a, like going to restaurants is a bit difficult. But So how did you guys conceive of this restaurant? What, do, what's your, what was your plan? So I've been, I've been cooking for almost 20 years now. And so I worked in a lot of really fantastic places. You know, worked under John Sundstrom for mm-hmm. a while, who I know worked for you for a yeah. little while. And uh, for me, one of the big things is that, you know, a lot of in my travels, especially like going to Spain and little parts of Southeast Asia, is that you can have really, really great food without that white tablecloth experience, which also comes with the white tablecloth price tag. Mm-hmm. And so for us, a lot of the idea was essentially trying to kind of take that kind of punk rock mentality that I had growing up of saying, why do we do this? And then kind of taking all those questions of why do we polish silverware? Why do we have a white tablecloths? All these aspects. And then remove the ones that were unnecessary and just get down to the bare bones of this is good food on a plate and it's good wine or beer in a glass. Mm-hmm. And then just have it simple and try to keep it as affordable as possible because, as we all know, vegetables and costs of meat and fish are skyrocketing. So meals can get really expensive really quickly. Mm-hmm. And Magna, you? Well, we're married, and I'm told that this is the nature of marriage, so I'm along for the ride. Um, I used to be a corporate lawyer in a previous life, and we met while we lived in Paris, and he wanted to come home to be able to open his own place because his roots in the community run deep here. And here I am on a, on a visa. On a journey. On a journey, um, helping run the front, front of the house, mostly. Um, I also do a little bit of the back end, the paperwork and the books and stuff. Legal training, I guess I'm just naturally inclined towards it been good so far two years we're still here we're still married i consider that a success what a combo yeah (laughs) Yeah. congratulations on that thank you do you miss law you know my daughter went to study law she never wanted to join our company and i never pressured her to it was not not why i opened restaurants and within two years of being a lawyer and trying to figure out uh being lonely at her desk by herself and billable hours uh she was like I want to be back in the restaurant business. It's very different, isn't it, socially? It's it's extremely different. Um, I don't miss all the sitting, and I don't miss all the interaction with hedge funds and corporate managers. Mm -hmm. Um, I very much enjoy our daily life just because it's every day is a different day with that kind of structured environment like law. Every day tends to be a little bit like the previous day. And I'm a person who gets bored really easily. So uh-huh. this is just the perfect environment for me to be challenged every day. So I don't miss any part of it except my training, which helps me run our company. And I don't know, keep our, keep our staff in line, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. keep sure, you yeah. know, that law training is, of critical thinking is, yeah. is very helpful, it seems. I, I listen to my kid talk and it's like, whoa, where'd you get that from? It's yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. So, interesting. So now, Evan, you could have opened anywhere, obviously, right? Uh, you, you, you have a very small restaurant. There's the opportunities abound. Uh, what about Columbia City drew you there? So um, I've been working on this project for a couple of years now, and so uh, that was part of that was the idea of before I left for Europe was this kind of with a couple of oh. friends. And so we were talking about this, and so there was a few things that I wanted. The first is Columbia City was my first pick for a couple of reasons. The first is that it's a historical district, so that means no developers can pull my lease from underneath me to build mm-hmm. condos, mm-hmm. which happened to so many of my colleagues and friends over the years. Um, it's, uh, you know, the secondary part is that uh, it's old building. There's no tenants above us, so no complaint issues, things like that, or, you know, that sometimes having to think about live this. above yeah. the restaurant can be a difficult aspect. The smoke coming out of your, your hoods, you know, the smells. Exactly. Yeah. And so we, and the last part is we wanted obviously somewhere that had a little bit of foot traffic. 
is that we didn't want to be a destination restaurant. You know, I grew up on Whidbey Island, and a lot of my friends and colleagues wanted me to open up on Whidbey. But for me, it was just I didn't want that kind of tourism-type business and or uh, just kind of such a destination. I wanted to be part of a small community. Mm-hmm. Most of my time cooking, I spent growing up in Capitol Hill. And we back when we were all very close to each other, we all knew each other really well. We all hung out, drank, and took care of each other. And so I wanted to redo that in a community that would kind of welcome us, and Columbia City seemed to be the best fit. Yeah, it's a, it's a I great it's place. A I mean, community. I've said many times, I live in Madison Valley for 33 years. If I had one place to move in the city, it would be Columbia City because I think it's a gorgeous uh, community. It's diversified. It's, you feel when you drive, when you go, you walk through those streets at night, you know, even you know, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, it's alive. It's a community. There's a sense of community there, which is you don't find that in everywhere. I would say that one of the best things about being in Columbia City is that, one, we've gotten to know all of the neighboring businesses, everyone, you know, and we're all looking out for each other. Initially, when we first opened, we kept running people over ice cream because it was so hot when we first opened. (laughs) And things like that, you know, like our neighbors take care of us, we take care of them, we all know each other by name, um, which I think in a big city environment is less and less common these days. So it's been really nice, and we, I would like to think that I know pretty much every regular's face and name at this point. My legal training does help. Random facts just live in parts of my brain. Um, but, yeah, it's been, it's been really nice. And, you know, it's great on one hand as well is that, you know, we have these wonderful community members who come to the restaurant and support us. But then we also see those community members out and about at it, be it walking our dog in the morning or going to a park or anything like that. We'll bump into these people and see them outside of the restaurant as well and kind of develop this, you know, these friendships and community relationships with people. Right. You know, when I first uh, moved to Seattle, I was uh, working all over the place, but... Uh, in downtown Seattle, I worked at Second in Pine. I got into the market scene. And the market at that time, Pamela, you were working in the market down at De Laurentiis. And the market scene was a little bit like the Columbia City scene. You wouldn't think about it that way because of the tourism. But at the time, there was still a very strong market presence. And the market is its own community. There's a child care center, senior center, low income, high income all kinds of people that live there full-time, and, and I really like that, and it's why I'm still part of that down at the north end of the Pike Place Market area. So It's one of the reasons... That's that how I, was... I met her. She was managing the wine shop at De Laurentiis, and that's how I met my wife, who was managing the wine shop down at Pike and Western. And that's how I met Tom, first chef I met in Seattle in 1987. But those are... So it, I think that's super important that, that you kind of want that community around you. And, and they do take care of you um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there is something very heartwarming about living in a place where you know each other, you've got each other's back. You know, there is something something nice about that. It gives you extra strength to survive the daily BS. That so, if I lived in Columbia City, where would you tell me to buy my meat and my vegetables and my fish? Oh, that's easy. Uh, that's easy. So, uh, <laughs> the Bob's uh, Bob's Meat um, has been third generation butcher. Uh, so they have great quality stuff. Uh, they have and a lot of great stuff in the freezer case as well. Like a lot of the cooking I love to do is Ofo meats. Mm-hmm. So they always have stuff stocked. And then vegetables, same place I go. Columbia City's Farmer's Market every Wednesday from 3 to 7, I believe, is the hours. A um, lot of really fantastic farmers there. A lot of them that I support at the restaurant. And I go every Wednesday. You'll see me there every day at 3, mm-hmm. every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Uh, for fish, Mutual Fish is probably going to be your best bet up on Rainier, a little yeah. bit further up. Right down the street. Yeah. yeah. Kevin and Harry. Yeah, exactly. and Harry's sister Lisa. 
I've been buying there for 50 years, it feels like. Yeah, they're great. They're yeah. wonderful. So those are the three places I would be buying uh-huh. produce and vegetables and meat. Nice. Do you get the farmers to come to your restaurant to, to deliver now? Some of them. Uh, so when we're doing bulk things, for example, like when I'm doing like 25 pounds of peaches or like 50 pounds of tomatoes, those guys will deliver directly to me. Right. Um, sometimes on their way to the farmer's market, sometimes on a Friday. Right. And then basically the farmer's market, I just go and pick up as much as I can carry. All right, when we come back, we're going to find out more about the actual food on the menu at Off Alley and hear about Evan's uh, cooking style. I'm not sure what, how you break down the kitchen cooking, if you do any or not. I don't do any cooking in the kitchen. <laughs> Would you right. recommend walking or calling for a reservation? Both. Um, we take reservations for between 5 and 5.45 for anyone who needs an assured spot. I know a lot of people get nervous with small spaces. They're worried they're not going to get in. So that's always available. And then 6 p.m. onwards with first come, first served. I like to think that I'm extremely dem- democratic. I man the door myself. <laughs> and so you have as much of a chance of getting in as everybody else. Just All right. That's very nice. Like that's when we come back on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. Chef, uh, chef in the Chapeau on we the microphone. It's a and, uh, pleasure being here and pleasure talking to Evan and Megna from of Ali here. It's, you guys have such a beautiful passion and such a cool little spot. That's very awesome. Well, let's talk about that. We found out a little bit about Columbia City and, and your passion for your neighborhood and your, your neighbors. Tell us about your cooking styles or your wine styles or whatever it is that makes up the, the restaurant itself. So for the food side of things, you know, my big focus has always been um, offal meats. I know I was part of that generation when the St. John cookbook came out mm-hmm. years and years ago, and we all got really excited about that. You know, all these uh, Fergus Henderson, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fergus Henderson, St. John in London, and so we all got really excited about offal meat, and it had its kind of day in the, in the sun for maybe a couple of years in the early two thousands, but then it kind of fell out of vogue. But so I always just kept going with it, and so I had the opportunity of you know working in Paris for a while, which is a very offal centric city. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of incredible products there. So I got a really deep dive into a lot of different products that are a little bit more difficult to get in the U.S. But so that's kind of my big focal is always trying to find these off cuts or unusual cuts, even if it's a situation, if it's a bycatch fish or if it's, you know, an actual offal like lamb's tongue or sweetbreads or foie gras or pig's feet or any of these other things. And then on the vegetable side of things as well, I'm always trying to look for um, bicrops or like thinnings and things like that, mm-hmm. things that normally would just end up in a compost bin. So for me, it's always trying to utilize, you know, basically these underappreciated or undervalued cuts of meat, fish in specific fish like rockfish or uh, specific vegetables that just kind of get forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And then on the wine side of things... Definitely part of, I think, what is Seattle's natural wine scene. Um, But as we like to joke with people, it's just the way that we used to drink when we were in Paris. And I haven't really changed my habits in that way. I serve wine from small producers who do things well with, um, you know, having thoughtfulness to the product that they're making. Very much in keeping with our food philosophy. Nothing is overly manipulated. Nothing is overly overwrought. It's just good wine made by good people staying away from the mass-produced commercial stuff. And we try and keep the food and the wine and the beverage in, beverages in general. Our cocktail program is spearheaded by our general manager, Carl Zipra, whom you might know. Um, and oh, he takes care of... a person there. Yes, we nice. got a Zipra person. Um, he and Evan have known each other for like 15 years now, so he was our natural first choice to bring on board. And he takes care of the cocktail side of things where we work very closely with the kitchen, where the kitchen will give us 
you know, fruit or juices and things like that that they've used and they have no purpose for later. And then we try and turn that into a cocktail that makes sense with the food program. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of keeping it tight, keeping it mindful and not doing something wild that doesn't make sense overall. Just having some Always get two third waste and one third product. Exactly. (laughs) Which is common. You see that commonly, so... And that's one thing that's important for us with the food aspect as well to tie in with the, the wine side of things is that so all the wine is low intervention. You're not, you're not dumping chemicals into the wine to stabilize the wine, to flavor the wine. And then we have that same philosophy with the food is I'm not using xanthan gums to make weird emulsions. I'm not using a lot of tricks and chemicals. Um, I'm not using sous vide cooking. I'm just using very traditional style cooking, old world style flavors, and not really using a lot of these modern day um, techniques and mm-hmm. manipulations of food. It's, well, it's interesting you call them manipulations, right? Because... There's such an argument out there between that word and, um, like, you can manipulate food. You can take this cantaloupe and make juice out of it, right? You're manipulating the food. Uh, sometimes it's better for the product at the end of the day, and sometimes it's, it's not. The process, the whole sous vide process and things like that, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I know you like it much more than I do. No, no. Uh, I mean, but- to me, it's the, the sous vide thing is more, for me, it's conservation. Uh-huh. That's the way I look at sous vide. I don't cook sous vide very much. First of all, I think it's very impractical for restaurants. It's not a practical thing. And also, I'm not a, I like my meat to be roasting the whole time. I'm, I'm a big, I'm from the old school. I'm not. The smells, I'm, the whole. Yeah, yeah, the whole process yeah. to me is, is where I live and where I feel. So I, I'm not, I, I like the, the intelligence of the sous vide idea to me is, is a scientific project. Um, you know, the first time I saw it was in 1979 at the airport in Paris. The old chef from Maxim was a chef at the airport, and I visited the kitchen, and there was, I saw 3,200 plates with a piece of fish, carrot, zucchini, you remember the Nouvelle Cuisine kind of thing, sous vide in a freezer, and I was like, <laughs> holy smokes. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, that made sense. In case they had a strike or in case they had something, they had to feed people, and I was like, that's impressive. That's ridiculous. But that's ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> uh, Favorite cut of, uh, of offal or of meat to cook, and how do you do it? Ooh, um, probably pig's feet is one of my favorite, oh. and so we'll do it um, two different ways. The, the way that kind of is that the success with the customer and we'll get more people to try something new is going to be like fried trotter cakes. Mm-hmm. So basically braising them, picking the bones out, and then mixing a bunch of shallots, herbs, sherry vinegar, spices, salt, and then basically breading yeah. them and deep frying them yeah. so you get that crispy outside and unctuous interior. You change your tune. Which just like, like. Yeah. Um, And then the kind of the way that I really love it is kind of also as well, but a little bit more challenging for certain, some people is kind of more of this Spanish style where you braise them in like a rich tomato and pepper sauce uh-huh. and then you'll pull out some of the bones and then you'll basically have this whole foot that you then just mm. throw on the flat top and press it down and then mm-hmm. it's natural collagen will make this kind of like almost like pot sticker skin underneath mm-hmm. and so wow. you get this really fun crunchy texture but then this super gelatinous skin and all that meat as well right. my favorite way is diced pig's feet already cooked of course uh, the meat diced with the lime ginger and butter and stock reduced down made into a sauce to go on the fish like a nice rock fish Whoa. pan fry oh. yeah that sounds incredible <laughs> yeah <laughs> The last time I had a pig's foot was at a restaurant in Florence called Cesare, and they did the whole foot. Of course, they did the whole cock's head, too. They had the head with the neck, took out the bone, and restuffed it and served you the head on the neck. That's classic. Uh, that's, wow. But they did the same with the pet the pork. You know, it's the same where they just kind of, you take the skin and you cut it open, spread it out, do all the, get all the meat off, the collagen, mix it all back together, and then sew it back up and 
Serve the hoof. Get cochon. Yeah, see, I, that's the type of stuff that I would love to have the time to do. We've I done, know, it takes forever. It's, it's, it's forever. It takes forever. We've yeah. done the, we haven't done it with the head on, though, is that when we were getting whole fresh ducks, we'd obviously get the duck necks. And so what we would do is, once again, not the head, a little, maybe a little too visceral for certain guests. We would uh, take the skin from the duck neck and then grind up a bunch of sausage and then stuff it with roast mm-hmm. garlic inside the neck mm-hmm. and then roast that whole, basically, duck sausage inside the duck skin, which is right. always incredible. Using the skin as your casing. Exactly. Yeah. So delicious. How did you get it crispy? Did you use a torch or could you get it? Uh, oh, no, in the pan. Uh, in the pan and then basting it, classic French style. Okay. So basically sear it one side, flip it over, pop it in the oven for a little bit, pull it out, butter, aromatics, bay, garlic, and then just baste it until you get a nice, basically foamy, bubbly skin. Mm. Okay, next one is fish. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of wacky fish dish to make? Well, I, I say wacky, and I think people Ooh. listening to our show might say, well, that's weird, but for... For you, it's it's perfectly normal. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of the fish that I really love working with is, you know, doing raw fish. I came from a Japanese culinary school, you know, worked for John Sundstrom, who has always had a little bit of his Japanese flair as well. That's why I hired John years ago. He came from a sushi bar. Yeah, he's yeah. great. And so um, I've always had uh, enjoyed raw fish, and I know that can be weird for some people. But I think one of the ones that my customers love the most, to a point where it's almost a detriment to me, is that we'll take all the um, fish scraps, the tails that are t- too tough to uh, eat or anything, thing like that and then we'll uh, essentially salt them over a span of uh, weeks and once i get enough of it i'll basically make salt cod mm-hmm. but in the spanish style with a basically a thickened milk sauce shove it inside of a piquillo pepper and then cover it with a, a three times tomato sauce mounted with a bunch of squid ink mm. so like that's something that's going to be mm. going on the menu today which my customers always really really love it's one of my most requested dishes but i can only make it so many times because right. i have so much fish scrap exactly Squid ink is one of those things you probably love it. Uh, it's never, it's never resonated with me. Well, I think it's um, one of those subtle chef's product that gets used or abused. I should well, you say. See it, you see it, it everywhere. It's just for some reason. It's just... And that's a problem. It's it's not supposed to be everywhere. It's supposed to be in certain things <laughs> and used a certain way. I mean, it's you know, it's true. It's a it's a trendy little thing. So I'm. I think, I think it's gone. To me, it's ethnically based. I mean, you see it in Spanish cooking all the time. Yeah. You see it all over the place. I mean, it's to me, it's trend. like a risotto with squid ink. If it's done correctly, it's delicious. You know, and, and with some yeah. fresh squid in there, it's it's. But you fabulous. like blood sauces and things like that, too. Oh, yeah. And I think there's something about the iron. I don't know what the makeup of squid ink is, but I think there's something about the iron kind of uh, like, yeah. nature of it. Same yeah. thing that people don't like palate. liver for. Yeah, maybe so. Well, it's been a pleasure having you. What a yeah. treat to have you guys come in. Uh, tell us again uh, where Off Alley is and when uh, people or how people can get a reservation or walk in. So we're situated right in the heart of Columbia City. Our address is 4903 and a half Rainier Avenue. So it's very Hogwarts. It's 403 and a half. And a half. You've it's got to look out for the Because if you miss the half, you're not there. Yeah, you, you'll go to Rudy's, <laughs> which will be a completely different experience. Uh, we're open Wednesday to Saturday for dinner, 5 p.m. onwards. And then Sunday for lunch, noon to about four-ish, or when we start running out of food, every Sunday is a different day. So it's, uh, it's been fun. You Thank you so much. The, the excitement that you've generated in Seattle is uh, refreshing. You're doing a wonderful job. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. A pleasure. Well, thanks for getting up. Come to the show. All right, when we come back, we have another full hour of excitement right here at the Hot Stove Society on Cairo. It's 97.3 FM.
and we're back in the Hot Stove Society. I'm Tom Douglas. And I'm Terry Rotor, the chef in the hat. One more hour of deliciousness coming right at you. We're going to talk kebabs. We're going to talk east side restaurants. We have some locals that are going to do some restaurant reviews. And, of course, um, whoever the, the uh, fodder is, what, what do I want? Who, who's going to get crushed today in trivia? Oh, my God. I don't know, but we have lots of going on. Somebody okay. wrote the question. You, you're going to want to stay with us because uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a... my understanding. There's a birthday in the house here at there the hot is. stove and that uh, we have fresh meat at the mic. <laughs> I, you know, fresh meat can be attractive in some ways, but usually it's very scary because they know more than we do. And I'm always like, oh, they're going to cream oh, us again. Fine. See, I, I, I always like to go in yes, positive thinking. I know. I know. I'm then, going positive with the... Uh, a bit of awareness. Okay, kebabs. Let's talk kebabs. <laughs> kebabs. Uh, Pamela, you love a good kebab. Uh, so much. I, I, I don't. I love our kebabs downstairs at Lola. I hope so because they're such a popular. They're seller. very yeah, popular. But, uh, but you know, on those kebabs, they are the tiny. meat is cut tiny, tiny, and it's cut evenly so that it very much is a quick hit, quick fire, and cooks all the way through quickly. I and think I think I think you need an important tip. I think you nailed it there. It's extremely important for that Then you know how to cut the meat or have somebody cut the meat. Who knows? Yeah. Because if you don't cut the meat correctly, you're going to have this chewy piece of meat on your teeth. Yeah, and some is rare, some is well yeah. done, blah, blah, yeah. blah. So I'm not a big fan of the big, chunky kebabs that you see in the grocery stores kind of pre-made for you. And I hate when they have like a tomato on there. And a big chunk of beef. Right. Exactly. Because what happens? By the time the beef is cooked, the tomato has fallen, fallen off. Fallen off your and skewer. All, and an onion slice has fallen off. And it's Don't just, be afraid to separate and reunite. Yes. So, know, so what are you saying? So like if you I'm have saying, a chicken kebab, yeah. you can also have a shiitake kebab. Correct. And then and you serve them together on the plate. At the end, you serve them on the plate. Exactly. Together. They all have different cooking times. Yeah. yeah. And if it's a mushroom, you know, mushroom are round. Putting on the grill is a pain in the neck. Use two skewers. Don't be afraid to use two of them so the mushroom doesn't move around. Your skewer is easier to grab. You know, you have to make it so that you can cook it. Not, it's, not, it's not just something pretty you put on a stick and then whatever you want. I mean, often you see that combination bell pepper, zucchini, tomato. I'm like, none of these cook exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You put them on the grill, they all come out differently. So like you said, you have one that's raw and the other one that's puree. Mm-hmm. I've been blanching um, my onions you, oh, and my... Phew. I thought you said you were blanching your kebabs. <laughs> no, just the, the harder vegetables uh, yeah. before I assemble the kebab because mm-hmm. I was sick of raw onions. Uh-huh. And if you get your protein small enough, the vegetables are raw right. when you're done. Right. Uh, but I think to go back to the meat part, it's extremely important to cut the meat correctly so then you have a tender piece of meat. And not too big. You know, kebabs, kebabs don't have to be like giant cubes of, of chicken or meat or whatever. Because the bigger you make it, the longer it takes to cook, the less chance you have to cook it properly, and the more chance you have to dry it up. So if you don't make it too big, it cooks. And, and my philosophy is also marination is not... It's a great process to something you're going to cure because it pre marinates, pre-seasons, and pre-cook. It starts the process of breaking down the meat. So when you put it on the grill, all you need is a little char, especially if you're doing lamb, let's say leg of lamb or something like this. Don't be afraid to pre-marinate overnight in a nice little wet marinade or something like that. Just not something acidic. Right. 
No, just because the spices. acid will start to eat the meat and it'll get grainy right. when you go to cook it. Yeah. Well, it depends on how long you're going to marinate too. If well, you said overnight, so I'm just saying, just make sure it's not correct. acidic. Yeah. yeah, but just you, you still put a little harissa in there. Yeah, <laughs> but not wine. I uh, know. So uh, the other trick on kebabs is often they're done on the little bamboo skewers. Right. So I like to move. If you think about the bamboo skewer, let's say a six-inch skewer, I leave my meat on the end of the skewer all the way to the end. Ready to slide for up. the four inches. No, because I, I'm just using the small cuts, the small, like we're talking less than an inch size cube. Correct. Three quarters to a half inch size cube. Uh, and then I put a piece of foil lined on my grill so that the foil is underneath what you hold the skewer with, right? So you can the, grab the skewer. Well, so it doesn't burn up. Right. Yeah. Well, I have a kebab when the, kebab, the skewer is completely gone. I have those uh, Moroccan skewers. For, the metal ones. Yeah, the yeah. metal one, long one. So those are really practical. They're not expensive to buy. You buy a dozen, and you have them with a wood handle, and you keep those off the grill, and the meat is still cooking on the grill. Yeah. So, um, well, if you go to, if you've ever been to a Brazilian restaurant, uh, you know the Brazilian kind of meat steakhouses that everything's on a kebab, and then they bring it to your table and they they literally slice off the kebab. Yeah, you know, it's very similar to what is a doner kebab, right? Right. The doner kebab is the one with the meat kind of in the round that turns on a vertical roaster. Uh, and then you slice it off for a uh, Euro sandwich or something. But that's the same idea with right. those Brazilian steakhouses is they take that chunk of beef right back to the kitchen, put it right back over the ch- coals. And um, I think it's Old Hickory that makes a commercial size, one that takes about 24 kebabs. And so they just keep rotating what they bring out to the dining room and slice it right at your table. All you need at the end is a handsome guy going... With the, With salt. the salt. A handsome, a handsome Brazilian. Yes, please. handsome Brazilian guy going, taking the sea salt and go, stop. Yeah. I always think it's funny in those kind of restaurants, generally. I'm speaking in generalities, but the, the compliment to the kebab service is there's a salad bar. Right. It's with cold French fries and cold crappy <laughs> salads. And, you know, then you, Which is too bad. Yeah. Uh, up next, uh, we have some favorites uh, here at the Hot Stove Society, and they're going to uh, tell us the hot new spots. Including some some pizzeria I heard about over in Totem Lake, the village of Totem Lake. <laughs> no, I told them they couldn't talk about that one. Oh, did you? Becky and Peggy are here to give us the rundown on what's going on on the east side. It's uh, Hot Stove Society Radio on Cairo 97.3 FM. And we're back. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. It's Cairo Radio. It's Tom and Jerry, the chef and the chef. Oh, you got a mouthful. What do you got going on? I'm eating that plum cake. The plum cake. Ooh, yeah. so delicious. Those plums, those Santa Rosa plums. So delicious. Jackie's got a magic touch with those. Uh, we have invited, we're just going to call you Becky and, and uh, Peggy because we, we don't want people to know your last name because they might stalk you. Right. You know, we have crazy people that will listen to this show. So uh, we met Becky and uh, Peggy. 2008. Yeah, I was going to say 15 years ago, so mm-hmm. it's, yeah, a long time ago, at one of our camps over at the hot stove, over at the uh, Palace Ballroom, and have been friends ever since, and been good uh, fans here of the Hot Stove Society, but you feel like, sometimes uh, I, I get the notion that you feel like we're lacking in coverage when we talk about restaurants. It's not, it's not an imagination, I think it's true. Okay, and so you have decided to take it upon yourselves to become our correspondents on the east side of Lake Washington. Is that true? True. It's true. Right, from the east side. All right. So uh, we're going to hear all the way from, say, Bothell, all the way down to Mercer Island? 
Is that the east side? No. No, we didn't make it. Let them say it. How'd you get to where you're going? Well, we decided to really limit the scope because the east side is, is pretty vast. So Becky is going to start by talking about the restaurants in Kirkland, and then I'll talk about Bellevue. Um, and we d- also decided if a, a restaurant has uh, roots in Seattle, like a Carmine's Cantonetta, Monsoon, we're not really going to talk about those restaurants today, although they have such a great presence on the east side. We're trying to focus on just... Kirkland and Bellevue-based restaurants and not large chains. Uh-huh. So, in other words, the to- Serious Pie Totem Lake didn't make the cut. Well. <laughs> well, I want to see. Is, I can no, start. That's, that's, all, that's all right. Do you want to get started? Yeah, I, I would love to thank start you. with, thank you, Pamela, for inviting us. It's really fun for us to be on this side. You know, when we first met you back in 2008, that's how we connected. Mm-hmm. And so you sparked our passion for, our mutual passion for all, learning about all things food and wine. So we're really excited to be here. Good. And you have uh, taken it upon yourself to write some of our quizzes. Yeah, I've had a lot for of fun. The, for the Friday yeah, yeah. morning quiz show. Yeah. I start, it started out as a little project to help Pam, and it just has been so fun. It's ah. like I, you wake up Sunday morning and just go want to go write a quiz. It's like of, doing the crossword puzzle, it, except you write a quiz. For, you know, on Sunday morning, I do the New York Times puzzle. Yeah. I'm um, well, a New York Times quiz, I should say. Well, I just get a little sad sometimes when I see the front page, so I yeah. just put that away. And <laughs> it's my little reprieve. All right. So it's fun for us to be on this side. And the first restaurant, so Peggy really set that up well, that we're not going to talk about Seattle Roots, but I have to break the rules because we've been begging you and your team to come over to the east side forever. <laughs> yeah. And you finally crossed the bridge. Yeah, we so we're, we're super excited. It only took me an hour and ten minutes to get there the other day. That was super fun. Oh, darn. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, so Sirius Pie and Totem, the new Totem Lake Village um, is awesome. We took... Uh, my sister and I took our family from Switzerland there the other day, and we had it was a great way to share pizzas and beautiful salads on outside. Uh-huh. That was, so that was really nice. So Totem is like a big food mall. It it is. Do you have a favorite in that in that building? In that serious pie? Oh come on! <laughs> outside of serious pie? No. You don't have a favorite? No, yet over serious there? pie. Okay. Seriously. Okay, whatever. Okay, so that's that's our first really <laughs> exciting one. The next three um, are not new. They've been around for a, a long time. They're more fine dining and white linen tablecloth and the first would be cafe juanita it's yeah. a, it's just a really fabulous place to for a special occasion northern italian inspired um holly smith is the, who you know is the chef owner yeah. um who i believe got her started her seattle career with you at dahlia yeah she was right? a sous chef for us at dahlia whew, late 80s with jonathan with Jonathan Sundstrom, yeah. Oh, wow. They were and same, then, same time. Sushi. Interesting. And Philip Mahalski, who has Nels over yeah. there by Green Lake. Oh, wonderful. They were all yeah. there at the same time. So. And then she opened up Cafe Juanita in 2000, and she also came to uh, one of our summer camps, did a demo, and then we all went, had a special gathering mm-hmm. for dinner at Cafe Juanita. So It is a very location. awesome restaurant. Yeah. And it's worth the wait. I mean, if you have yeah. to get in or if it takes three hours to have dinner, it's worth it. Yeah. But if you're yeah. looking for that special evening, special dinner, great food, great Great service, great everything. Definitely a place to go. Always good people. Always yeah. good people. Yep. That's Very so, good. People are important. And then the next one, it's Italian as well, but it's much more um, kind of everyday. And that would be Restaurant Paradiso mm-hmm. in oh, yeah. Kirkland Park Lane. Um, the people, never eaten there. Yeah, you never. It's, it's a classic. It's consistent. I think it's probably the first. Um, I think the owner, it's Sardinian Roots, and he's still there. Mm-hmm. And when we moved, my husband and I moved to Kirkland about 30 years ago. That was probably our first nice dining experience. And you can walk from your house. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, good point. I don't think they've changed their menu in 30 years, but they don't really have to. <laughs> right. Because 
It's, yeah, that's it's, what you're going there for. You're going for those classics. Yeah. Yep, yep. So that's great. And then we've been in Italy. Now we're going to go to France. Favorite restaurant on the water is Le Grand American Bistro. I'm with you it's 100%. Is that Ted First restaurant? Yeah. Yep. I've been there probably 10 times now, which is my most visited wow. yeah. east side restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. I can see why. I mean, it's, my wife does the flower there. so she I, does. Yes. I will comment on them next time. <laughs> no, it's okay. But I've been there, and, you know, I've, I'd never been before. Kathy started the flower there, and with this started going there. It's it's a fabulous. You know, there is not many. Sadly enough, in all part of the world, there is not many good restaurants on the water mm-hmm. that you can go to for dinner. Yep. It's, it's sad. The, the views are just gorgeous, quintessential Northwest. You're looking over yeah. Kirkland Marina. You're looking at the lake, Seattle, and then the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Well, Peggy and I have enjoyed Happy Hour there many times, and my oh. favorite is oysters, bubbles, and the best French fries on the east side. Or frites. Excusez-moi. Frites. Frites. Yeah. And Becky rides her bike there. She's very <laughs> healthy that way. <laughs> <laughs> Got to burn it off. We've been known to have happy hour occasionally, yes. haven't we, Becky? Yeah. All right, that's Kirkland. And so my favorite sushi on the east side is in Kirkland, and it's a small, small joint called Kwame Sushi Bar and Sake House, and it's right on Kirkland Avenue. It's excellent quality, great prices, and the chef owner is often there making the sushi. Mm-hmm. So Perfect. That's, that's a, I don't recall his name, but he's wonderful. And then my favorite place for catering is Lynn's Bistro. She's got oh, yeah. a, she has a, a nice little restaurant She's on. She's been there 85th, forever. But oh, her quality is so good. She's so kind. I don't think she charges enough. No. Um, and every time I've worked with her, guests have wanted her name. Right. And she does an excellent crab cake. Good. I'm sure she got the recipe from your book. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Lynn's Bistro, big plug. Um, and then a perfect place to, for takeout if you just want to go grab something and walk across the street, go down to the marina and have a picnic, is Santorini Grill. They have great euros and all things green. Where is this? That's on the main central, mm-hmm. right where the light is. Isn't right, it right before Sur La Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, right yeah, where yeah. the traffic yeah. light is there right. on Central Avenue. And Stavros has been there for 30 years, right. and he closes between, he disappoints a lot of people between Thanksgiving and Christmas when he goes back to Santorini to see his family. <laughs> so. So. And then my favorite, um, saving this hidden gem for last, I stumbled, stumbled upon it last week, when um, we had out-of-town friends and family that wanted to go to see the new Google campus, mm-hmm. and there's a cool park there. And it's right on the Kirkland Cross Corridor Trail, which used to be a railway that they turned into a, a pedestrian and bike trail. Yeah. I think it runs 42 miles from right That's the one that was being, being fought in the courts for about 25 years, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Yes, and Google has, and City of Kirkland has done a beautiful job there. So Chainline Brewing Company, who's a local... Kirkland Brewery has a tap room at the new Kirkland Urban, and then they put they took this darling caboose and put it right off the trail. And they've got they sell ice cream, beer, all kinds of sandwiches and that kind of stuff. Pick nice picnic tables, and it's right on the trail. Mm. So we parked at Met Market and we um, walked just walked north a little bit right through the Google campus. And it's one of my favorite features is there's these blueberry bushes that are about you know two three feet tall, and they're all edible. So you're walking along, feeling healthy, and eating blueberries. Ah. So it's just cool. And then right next door is this, um, I have to see where it is. It's this beautiful vegetable and fruit garden that it, you can walk through. And it's run by a Seattle Urban Farm Company who will then donate all the, its harvest to Hope Link. So that whole area is just wow. kind of a special little Community place. So this is all behind the Google campus? It's in between. So it, the, the trail goes right between Google campuses. Right. The buildings are only, they're, they're not very tall. Right, right, right. So it's, I've been there. Before. It's, worth, it's worth the trek. You cool. know, first apartment in my life, I, when I left home, I was 18, 
and uh, got I slept on somebody's couch for a month, and then I was looking for an apartment. The first apartment of my life was in Kirkland, Washington, the Maple Leaf Apartments. And you know in Kirkland how you're going along the water and you can take that road, it kind of bends up and it goes yeah. up to the Met Market up, yeah. up there. It was yeah. right on that road before and it was long it's torn gone. down. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah. somebody put a mansion there, probably you. No. no. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, so... Uh, I, I have some Kirkland roots. Yes. Don't yeah. don't even think that I don't. That's that's wonderful. I had a leopard skin sofa, like like Ooh. velour, velour. Chicks dug it. It was on I the bet. sidewalk before you had it. <laughs> it that's actually great. was. Somebody was trying to get rid of it. That's great. Well, that uh, that ends my Kirkland piece. Okay, good. Thank you, Becky. Oh, I'm not supposed to use your last oh, name. Oh well. No stalkers, Peggy. Yes. When we come back, you're going to take us from the Kirkland borderline with Bellevue. And through the Bellevue scene. All right? Yes. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. We're going to continue our east side travels uh, here in the Hot Stove Society kitchen. Chef in the Chapeau, you, have you, did you learn anything in the last segment? I learned a lot. That little sushi place, I'm going to look for it because I didn't know what I was there. Yeah. And also the... The train caboose in the uh, Google next to the Google right. campus. There. Chain line station. Train, train line, line station. station. I got to remember that. Name. Okay, Peggy, it's your turn. And you have to stay up tight to the mic, if you would. And uh, you're going to take us from what? What separates Kirkland? Is it Northrop Way? Is it from Bellevue? Is that probably yes. a good separator? Just, just about where um, five twenty runs. Yeah, five twenty. Yeah, because yeah, one of my favorite Chinese restaurants is in that uh, up by behind the old uh, tile store up there in that strip mall. Uh, North Weber Way called King something. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my favorite too. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. Peggy, uh, tell us about some places that I think our criteria is that you love that have east side roots rather than Seattle guys that have transplanted and that uh, not necessarily new, but this is a family favorite. Exactly. And so, so I'm going to start with the restaurant that Becky and I went to for Happy hour this week, because this is all based on our friendship. You guys have a lot of happiness going on. We do. We had to research. Yeah. Our friendship started <laughs> right here R&D stuff? with the yeah. Tom Douglas team, and uh-huh. we're so grateful for that. So we went to Bees on Main uh, oh, yeah. for happy hour this week, which opened in 98. So it's a Bellevue institution, and um, Joe Velarde is sort of the face of Bees on Main. Mm-hmm. They have just a really refined menu, and um, they're really b- a big part of the community. Joe knows the people who are coming in, and... Um, I think he's he's recently sold the restaurant, but it yep. will carry on. To Bobby With, Moore. Did you know about this? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that Bobby bought it, but yeah. yeah. I, I and Bobby and the, the landlord, apparently, as well. Yeah. But they have great outdoor seating. The, the service is fantastic and just really consistent. It's a classic in, on Main Street, for sure. Yeah. Classic, yes. And, you know, some, some of the times it's the jobs you don't get because Joe was applying for work with me at Cafe Sport, I want to say, and uh, it didn't work out at that time, and then he went and then he opened that restaurant. So, no, it couldn't have been Cafe Sport. It must have been Dahlia or yeah, Dahlia. Yeah. Joe, Joe but, and uh, I... Yeah, so he went and opened Bissamé. So Joe you know. and I both work in the same restaurant on Sunset Boulevard in in uh, Los Angeles, on on Sunset, yeah. And uh, not at the same time, but a different time, but... Um, and both of us have great memories of that, yeah. how funky that restaurant was. And then I'd like to also just jump... So Joe actually worked with uh, Chris Peterson, who um, owns Bake's Place, 
And Bakes Place has its roots really in live music, but their business model has changed over the years. They have a really big outdoor patio and a big indoor space, so it's fairly easy on a really busy night to still get a table there. They have the capacity. How do you spell it? What are you saying? Bakes, B-A-K-E. Oh, okay. Uh, so his, I just his, don't know it, I guess. Yeah, his business partner, um, his last name was Baker, so ah. that's how they ended up with Bakes Place. Um, and they, they're doing more events now, but they're really... They want to be the local um, favorite, the local restaurant. And they have really great food. Chris is usually there to greet you. Um, they're now um, getting a, an influx of a lot of new Bellevue residents with the light rail station going in. And that, they're, in, they're on 4th um, or north, north, uh, Southeast 2nd, Northeast 2nd. Okay. Sorry. I'm <laughs> they're on Northeast 2nd and yeah. 108th. And... Um, I, I really enjoy their um, salads. They have great salads, and they do. So they're as a, in that condo unit there. Um, you know, I'm not really on sure. Northeast Fourth. I don't know if it's a condo unit. Oh, it's um, it's just yeah. right on the corner there. Okay, um, I think I know where you're talking about. Right by the Poke Place. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's yeah. park. There's parking underneath. It's super easy to get there. And oh my God, that east side thing and parking. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's so easy. <laughs> I know. Everyone says that when they come to Serious Pie. Told them it's like. Dude, you got parking. First time in my life in yeah. 40 years. And they do still have live music. I'll be there next month. They have a Steely Dan cover band that's going to be playing. And it's, it's just super fun. They have this huge live you know, screen. All right, I'm going to check it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do they do a lot of sports events? Too? They have huge screens. They, the- they do. I haven't been there for a sports event, but um, I, re- I just really enjoy it. Um, and then I'd also like to mention uh, Bellevue Brewing that just moved into the Spring District. They have a really beautiful new... Um, facility there with a great big outdoor space and kirkland urban or it's, it's similar to kirkland urban but the spring district um will be a, a hub for light rail you can also drive their bike you can take the bus so it's transit centered and their um meta is has their offices there but bellevue brewing um has a huge bar they have a lot of indoor seating they're um menu is taco heavy they have some great tacos and fresh salads um, really, really great service. And so I was there earlier this week, and I'm going back again this afternoon. Nice. It's just super, <laughs> it's super Tough fun. Life. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really beautiful space. And I really like to see that, the intentional community that's taking over that industrial space and that there's been so much planning to make it into a new, um, a new gem in Bellevue, mm-hmm. really. It's fun to see it coming alive. What's the address? Spring District. It's, there's a whole bunch right. of new construction over there, and it's on that kind of angled road from Northeast Eighth all the way over to 124th or so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you, if, I don't know the, the specific address for Bellevue, right, right. but it's yeah, it's it's super. What was the restaurant on the lake that used to be there? Oh, crab something. Uh, Clinker oh. Dagger Bickerstaff and Pets oh, Public right. House. Remember that on yes. the lake? Yeah. Yeah. That was a special occasion in the day. <laughs> it was in the day. And then I'll give a couple of quick mentions. I'd like to mention the Lake House, which is in Lincoln Square South. Sure. Um, it's a seasonal fresh menu that changes every day. It happens to be Becky's husband, Chris's favorite restaurant. So he claims it's the best on the east side. Nice. Yes. Jason. My yeah. kids love to go there. They, they have a seasonal corn soup that is to die for. I love it as well. Um, and I just I think the decor is really kind uh-huh. of sweet, too. I haven't been there since it opened. Jason Wilson originally was the chef there, and he's not there anymore. No, he's still there. I don't think so. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's back with his wife. And he the, was, yeah, yeah, he's still at the lake house. Okay. I'd also like to mention 520 Bar and Grill. Um, 
That's Joseph a local's hangout there on Main Street, and they opened in Lincoln Center, too, I think. They yep. did. They opened Central. Yeah. Becky and I have been known to have happy hour there as well in both places. <laughs> happy hour theme here. You know, that's um, why at Edda's we call it Krabby Hour. Oh. Krabby Hour. Right. I like that. Um, but they, they I've, I frequent it. It's, they have also great outdoor seating, and it's just, it's like, it is like the West Bellevue Cheers. It's mm-hmm. a fun place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a, I'd like to just kind of mention some of the tried and true Bellevue institutions, like Chase's Pancake Corral for breakfast mm-hmm. right on Bellevue Way. Um, the Pump House is a great place to just take. You'll see lots of locals. It's just, you know, pub fair. And then my new favorite, which um, a lot of people don't know about, but it's been there since 1968, is Lil John's. Lil John's uh, in the parking lot of the – w- I was going to mention it if you didn't. So Yeah, yeah in the parking so, lot of the Toyota dealership there exactly. or something. Yeah. So I was there yesterday, and it, it just – I mean, honestly, the bartender, Brian, who's there, has been there. He wouldn't tell me how long, but over 35 years. Uh-huh. And the, the waitress, Nan, has been there for 35 years. They know all the customers in there. Oh, this drinks for Susie over in the corner. They're known for their salt and pepper wings and um, huge cinnamon rolls. Mm-hmm. But it's just a really great. What was the uh, the name of that spot. Austrian chef? I think he was. I think he was Austrian, who had a small restaurant in the mall there. I don't know. Oh, I love my his first name. job in Bellevue in, in the, this area forty five years ago. Now was at Benjamin's in Bellevue. Oh. Oh, yeah. Was on top of the Seattle Trust Tower. Uh, so that's that's a million years ago. And then first place I ever applied for a job is still open. Can you figure out what that is? It's on Daniels. No, no, no. It's in. It's probably in the Kirkland side of things. It is definitely in the Kirkland side of things on the of five twenty. Anthony. The Foghorn. The Foghorn. Oh, wow. It's now called the Beach House. Yeah. yeah. Remember the Foghorn? Yes. Yes. That's yes. the first place I ever applied for work. Nice near your apartment, right, with the couch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could walk there. <laughs> in, instead, I ended up getting a job on Bainbridge Island. So I took the bus from Kirkland to downtown onto the ferry. Took the ferry to oh, Bainbridge. My. How stupid is that? That's commitment. Yeah. So fun. So I guess the, fun. The only place I didn't mention, which I'll just mention quickly, is Ascend, um, oh, yeah. which is on the 31st floor of Lincoln Square. 41st. Oh, 41st, excuse me, floor of uh, Lincoln Square. And it has just amazing views. It's yeah. just, if you just don't sit at the bar if you want to look at the views because you won't be facing the views. But um, it's, you know, prime steak and sushi and really delicious food. You know, that's a place that I just thought. This, they're going to lose a bundle up there. And, uh, they're because pretty, it's so large. I yeah, thought that too. Huge. But they're packed. They're busy all the time. Yeah. And they also own a bunch of Famous Dave's barbecue joints. And they bought, uh, they have Stanford's up there at Northgate. And they've bought a, Uh-oh. they're a pretty big restaurant group now. We cheated a but little bit. But they started that ascent. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. just kidding. <laughs> no, super fun. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun to do the research. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you end up having time to write the quiz and do the research for the all those happy hours, maybe? There you go. There you go. Oh, yeah, I can see them both sitting at the bar going, yeah, I got a question. Okay, Peggy and Becky are going to come right back for our Food for Thought Tasty Trivia Challenge, for which um, I'm not sure who our third player is, maybe Birthday Boy out there in the audience. Uh, on Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. for Food for Thought Tasty Trivia brought to you by the delicious Rub with Love Spice Rubs made by yours truly in our Ballard Warehouse uh, and uh, it is they are so uh, tasty 
I'm looking for Pam's uh, words. And on... Sebastian is going to use some on his pig for tomorrow. He's going to roast. We have pig. grown the 20 different varieties so that we can help you doll up just about any dish. Our rubs and sauces and mustards are available at Bartels, Met Markets, uh, Town and Country Markets. I mean, virtually all over the place, all over the country. Five different, five thousand different retail outlets around the country. So. Uh, enjoy the treasure hunt to try and find them, or just go online and buy them online. They are, they are all there. Uh, Pamela or, or Becky, since you're taking over the mic on the producer side here, and you wrote the quiz, how do people play our game, and um, who's going to win our prize today? <laughs> you probably know that already. Well, I know Pamela likes to rig things, and I've yeah, paid attention a little bit. Yeah. Um, so each of you will get five questions. And we'll, they're all going to be themed to Labor Day holiday or back to school. So we'll see who's going to rule and who's going to get schooled. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And the and winner gets what, Pam? Smoked paprika. Oh. oh. So like we have, a, get, we have a, a listener guest, Sebastian. I, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. Big fans. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Craig, How do s- we say in French? Bon compliant. No, Joyeux anniversaire. Yeah. Merci beaucoup. Vous en prie. All right, Becky. All right, you going first? Yep. All right, Terry. Here we go. Multiple choice. The first American Labor Day was celebrated in New York City on September 5th, 1882, where workers marched from City Hall to Union Square. Which food would New Yorkers not have been able to enjoy at the post-parade picnics? Popcorn, oysters, or grapefruit? Uh, I'm going to go with grapefruit. Good job. The first shipment arrived from Florida in 1885 of grapefruits. Oh, yep. So, good Sense. job. True or false, Labor Day is the most popular day for grilling. Ooh, that's a trick question. I'm going to say yes. False. Labor Day is the, most, is the third most popular day for grilling after July 4th and Memorial Day. I thought about July 4th, but it's, it's so hot in so many parts of the country. I was like, ah, maybe Labor Day is better. You were wrong, chef. Number, I was wrong. Number three, which American first lady championed offering healthier meal options as part of the National School Lunch and School Breakfast programs. Michelle. Yes. My belle. <laughs> Would a student be popular if they packed a durian fruit in their lunch? <laughs> um, only with the people they, they hate. They would be noticed. <laughs> they would be noticed, yeah. No, absolutely not. The stinkiness of durian opening a classroom would probably cause for a giant alert. But I hear the flavor is good. The flavor, the inside, it's the like meat. like cheese, right? Yeah. The flesh is just like a stinky cheese. Do you, you know, remove the stinkiness and you eat what's inside. Okay. Well, do you know that it's, the smell can be so offensive that it has been banned from mass transit in several countries, including Thailand, Japan, and Hong Kong? Final question. Speaking of labor, can you share a vegetable that is labor-intensive to process but is worth the effort in preparing it yourself versus purchasing it done for you? Artichoke. Agreed. Very intensive, hard to process for most people. But super delicious. When you get to the heart of that baby, oh, it's so good. Better than chard? Oh, chard is easier. Yeah. No, she said better than. Is it, oh, worth, better. Is it worth yeah. the effort? Yes, it is very much worth the effort. It's, I, I think that because of the pain, like anything with pain, once the pain is gone, <laughs> it's such a pleasure to be there. <laughs> good job. Well done. And so, if you want to get rid of some of the pain, just use the little tiny baby ones. They work sure, you can well. always cheat, Tom. Sebastian. I'm oh, scared. Right. How, many, how many did you get, Terry? Four out of five. Four out of five. That's, a, that's a B. Seb, it's going to be All easy right. for you. Let's go. It's going to be fun. True or false, Labor Day is the official end to hot dog season. 
I'm going to say true. Good job. According to the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council, hot dog season begins on Memorial Day and ends on Labor Day. Yeah, you got it. A common American school lunch consists of pizza, corn, canned fruit, and chocolate milk. Which country's common school lunch consists of chicken, rice, dalmas, cucumber and tomato salad, maybe there's a little feta in there, yogurt with pomegranates, and a mandarin, orange, or two? Greece. You got it. Oh, wow. <laughs> With wow. a little help right. from the audience. You used a lifeline there and a was little successful. cheating going on. Yeah. He has no, cha- no shame in asking someone. Okay. <laughs> he didn't a- even try and hide it. <laughs> True or false, Araka beautyrophobia is the fear of getting peanut butter stuck to the roof of your mouth. Well, I think it's a made-up word. Araka means ground Fe- nut. So, yeah, true. There you go. <laughs> Yes. Oh, my God. That was oh, gift wrap birthday present right that there. Is, that Thank is you. politically incorrect. <laughs> All right. All right. Question four. Enology is the study of what? Has to do with grapes? Uh, let me think. Wine? You got it. Wow. <laughs> Finally, can you share a vegetable that is so labor-intensive or time-consuming to process that purchasing it already prepared is a better way to go? Uh, well, the, the thing I initially thought of, it, I, I don't, it's not a veg, uh, pomegranate. That's not a vegetable, right? That's, that's it's a fruit. Yeah, right, yeah. but it's, like, hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, your birthday. You can get away with anything, apparently. <laughs> collard greens? There you go. Okay. It's a winner. That's, a good- <laughs> that, that's hard, right? Well, I don't know how not you really, but, prepared, okay, but That was wimpy. Thank you. That was wimpy for your birthday. Your birthday? You. Thank you, thank you. Happy thank birthday, you. Sebastian. Thank, thank you for you. playing. Cheers. Five out, of, five out of five. All right, that's an A. Right. Okay, Tom, you ready? Right. Here we go. True or false, in 1946, President Truman started the National School Lunch Program as a measure of national security. You bet. That is true. If you are making a healthy... Back-to-school breakfast consisting of oats, grated apple, nuts, and milk. What might you be making? Mucilage. Yes. And Which is different than mucus. Multiple choice. According to the Smithsonian, who is the first popular children's character to grace the front of the school lunchbox in 1935? 35. You've got Porky Pig, Mickey Mouse, or Popeye. Uh, I'm going to go with Popeye. And me too. I wish it was, but it was Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Um, and 1935 is also when the eight-hour workday came into effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, which seeds, when mixed with water, can make a great substitute for eggs to use in baked goods that you might pack in a school lunch? To make a great substitute for, for eggs? Eggs. It's one tablespoon of this and three tablespoons of water. From a protein perspective? Um, from a consistency. So like a binder. Uh, chia seeds? Yes. Wow. Good job. And there's one other. Chickpeas. Uh, rhymes with snacks. <laughs> flax. flax. Yes, ground flax. Uh, we have to grind it. Yeah, yeah. we're chias, yeah, you, you don't have to grind. No, chias, you don't have to grind. They yeah. go either way, but it works really well. Okay, final question. A pandary's primary diet is composed of bamboo. A group of pandas is called an embarrassment. Can you share a cooking experience that you might reflect on as an embarrassment? <laughs> <laughs> you know they know you better than you think. <laughs> well, I was trying to think of something that I could say on the radio. <laughs> Um, you know, I met my wife at a nudist club up in Snoqualmie. And when True? you're cooking bacon naked, it's Ooh. really, it's really a... It's presumptuous. Yes, exactly. Very so presumptuous. Wow. There you go. You get extra credit for that one. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. 
Well, you guys did really well. Who's the winner? No, that wasn't true. The winner is Sebastian. Happy birthday, Sebastian. Thank you. Thank you. I don't think Jackie's going to be happy with that. No. No. Sebastian, happy birthday. Congratulations on the big win. Thank you. We're going to give credit to the whole audience uh, along with you. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to be part of our show, you can catch uh, our taping on Friday mornings from 9 to 11 on at Tom Douglas and Company. Look for the Hot Stove Society radio show or just buy a ticket and come join us like these nice folks did at hotstovesociety.com. You're listening to us on Cairo Radio. The show is produced by Pamela Hinckley. Uh, assistant producer today, Becky Guzak. Production by Sean McFadden. And our editor is Sean Don't Call Me Dottore. Remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society show on Cairo, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe to your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening and happy Liberty Day weekend.